From How to Barbecue Right Studios in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Beautiful weather we're having yesterday. Oh, absolutely. Just what, almost, I think, 74 yesterday. Oh, easily 74. I think a little chance of rain today, but it should be a nice weekend for the rest of the weekend for everybody. Yeah, that's good. You can try to get out and enjoy it. I hope everybody was able to get out. Saw people on the way home. Saw them walking the uh, the sidewalk with the fence that's still not corrected. N- yes, uh, the, the, the crime scene. The crime scene. The tape. crime scene. So, but a lot of people, both ways, going back and forth, so that was great. Other than that, you know, just been really busy with work, you know. Enjoying the morning here, taping the show with you. Derek, I think the thing that everybody wants to talk about, I mean, it's a really big deal, especially here in Hernando, Mississippi. What's happened since our last show? I think everybody, come on, we know what, what the big deal is. The paving that happened in front of Zaxby's. In front of Zaxby's. Huge, Beautiful. huge news. Uh, the largest pothole in the state of Mississippi right. was filled in the last two days. Right. I saw a guy, I know two weeks ago, I saw a guy standing in the pothole with a sign that said, Tate Reeves loves potholes. <laughs> That's how big it was. Well, like it was so deep. Have you ever seen that documentary Solo? When yeah. the guy that basically he was halfway up that pothole. Yeah. Halfway up the pothole. It was I mean it was deep. Solo. Really deep. How big a pothole would he leave if he fell? Oh wow. <laughs> That's uh, that's disturbing. That's a pretty morbid. That's uh, pretty thing. morbid. Uh, but anyway, we we do joke around. But uh, beautiful black asphalt right there in front of Zaxby's. Um, not that Zaxby's is a paid advertiser on our on our show, but it's almost worth visiting Zaxby's just to enjoy the black asphalt. It reminds me of the movie Cars, where they're going to, uh, you know, and, <laughs> and he fixes it. That's yeah, what it's like. It. Oh yeah, Ramon. He just gets exactly. slow and low, taking right there. Exactly. I love that. But hopefully Zaxby's business will skyrocket due to the uh, the asphalt being fixed. So get over there and, and take a look. Come up Mackinville and take a look at the crime scene uh, tape. The crime just shoot through through Bonchibo back and forth a few times. And go, but you know Sonic to to Walmart. You're cutting through there. Just yeah, that's it. But I'm saying, see the crime scene fence that's so uh, become so famous. Uh, uh, still gets talked about with people from the podcast, and then go to Zaxby's with the uh, with the asphalt, the beautiful new asphalt. Well, Matt, you know what's always smooth is your buying experience with Team Couch. That's exactly right, Derek. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group, our 2021 presenting sponsor, is the number one team for over a decade in DeSoto County for residential real estate. They have over 64 years of combined real estate experience. They're ranked as a top team in the state of Mississippi by America's Best Real Estate Professionals. They are full-time, full-service realtors, and right now they are offering a free, no-obligation market analysis. That is a free, no-obligation market analysis for your home. They can review comps. They can show you the value of your home. They can show you the best time to put it on the market. They can show you everything that's going on in the Mid-South, especially DeSoto County, Mississippi, when it comes to residential real estate. Give Brian or Terry... A call at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. Or find them at teamcouch.com. That's teamcouch.com. I shouldn't say just call Brian or Terry. Be sure and give their entire team that works so hard over at Team Couch or Birch Realty Group a call today. Podcast recorded this morning at the How to Barbecue Right Shop Studios. How to Barbecue Right Shop is located 500 yards past Connection Gymnastics right here under the water tower. This store has everything a man needs for crawfish, barbecue, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. From knives, rubs, cutting boards, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, and some really cool high-end smokers, the How to Barbecue Right Shop is your one-stop shop for any outdoor cooking needs. 
If you've seen Malcolm's How to Barbecue Right cooking videos, you need to stop by and check out his shop today. You can give them a call at 662-912-9947. That's 662-912-9947. Find them on Facebook at H2Q Malcolm Shop. That's H2Q Malcolm Shop. Or visit them this weekend for a grand opening, March 6th. That's going to actually going to be tomorrow, March 6th, at their shop. Tons of cooking, sampling, an opportunity to go through the store and get pick out anything that you like in the store. They'd be happy to serve you. Tomorrow, March 6th, at the How to Barbecue Right shop, located just past Connection Gymnastics in Hernando. Matt, really looking forward to going by there and checking out what they have and seeing everything they have set up for the grand opening and just great new asset to the city. Oh, it's a beautiful store. I mean, like I said to you last in the last week, man, it, it's a store that will, uh, yeah. If, if, if you have a, an anniversary coming up or have any kind of birthday coming up or anything like that, I've got a strange feeling, Derek, it will be a go-to place for Father's Day coming up in June. It is an awesome, awesome place. The kind of store um, I could just spend hours in. And it can also be a Mother's Day store. I know there's plenty of uh, ladies out there who, you know, like to mix up the ingredients. And so, uh, please, ladies, guys, anybody that wants to come out, come see them at Malcolm's Shop. And also, hopefully, you can also maybe meet Matt and I there. Thank you to Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Thank you to How to Barbecue Right Shop. Good luck tomorrow for the grand opening. Derek, Hernando Alderman meeting happened this past Tuesday. Uh, you mentioned to me all fair that uh, you watched it on YouTube. I watched it on YouTube. Again, we joke all the time. Did you think you'd be in your 40s discussing or texting back and forth with your friend about Hernando Alderman? But you said there were three people watching on the YouTube three thing, people. and you and I were two of them. That is correct. If you were that third person. If you were that third person, email us at underthewatertowerinfo at gmail.com. That's underthewatertowerinfo at gmail.com so we can maybe plan a watch party for the Hernando Alderman meeting. But, hey, tell us about it. Not a whole lot happened at the Alderman meeting until late. So go ahead and tell us. Man, it was um, kind of just a, a normal, uh, sure. you know, maybe it looked like a short, probably 20-minute meeting. So went through everything. Again, we covered everything on Tuesday. Uh, everything that was, um, you know, request for the final Pratt approvals. The only, you know, there was three things coming up two of them were tabled again I, I know that sounds not only redundant at this point it's just it, it's kind of um you know just gets old saying it but madison lakes has been tabled again to the 16th the magnolia commons has been tabled again to the 16th uh, the only one that they did talk about discuss and really there's very little discussion was the four lots uh, in nesbitt those were approved um, so that the developer will go forward uh, getting those four lots uh, under construction and hopefully for sale here pretty soon. Of course, also we mentioned kind of previewing it that what was on the agenda at the time, the only other things were there were several things that they had to accept the lowest and best quote. They did that. The only discussion on one was probably for the one for Scott Road, the paving. There will be paving going on basically from Oak Grove Road uh, to Scott Road. Uh, so there'll be, you know, I know everybody loves, we just mentioned the Zaxby's parking lot. Well, now there's also going to be repaving going on from there. And the county is actually doing paving from 51 to Robinson Gin. So a lot of Oak Grove Road will have new new asphalt now, of course. You know, there was a couple of, of aldermen said, hey, can we wait to the summertime? But it, unfortunately, you know, they when they let the contract, it's based on when they can get the, you know, get the asphalt, get the materials and get it done and get on the schedule. So it, it may possibly happen during school which, you know, going to cause some headaches, but, you know, this is something that's been needed for a while, so it'll be done. Help me out. You said Oak Grove Road to Scott Road. Mm -hmm. I'm confused. I mean, Oak, Oak Grove Road to? In front of Oak Grove. Elementary. Elementary okay. to Scott Road. I'm sorry. I apologize. Got it. Uh, and then uh, on Oak Grove Road, and then the county will do it from 51 
to Robinson Gin. So there'll be a small gap between Robinson Gin and the school that may be, you know, left, uh, I guess, unasphalted. But, um, you know, most of that road from all the way to Scott Road, which, of course, is right, you know, uh, reaches the, the city limits of Hernando, uh, will be paved. So you're telling me we're going to pave something in front of Oak Grove Elementary during the school year? Well, it's it's whenever the contract can, can, oh, can start. Oh, my gosh. That's have what I'm ever, saying. You have, I, don't, I mean, I know you, you, you may not have ever been to the Oak Grove Elementary pickup. I think school gets out a little bit after 2, and I've seen I've seen people there before noon. Oh no! I mean, look I, again. And the alderman, the, the alderman too. Uh, he he yeah. wore, wore two aldermen and said, "Hey, can we try to schedule this to make it best?" And the engineer was like, "You know, we'll, we'll do the best we can do." But unfortunately, it's whenever we can get on their schedule. Uh, they received the lowest bid, so right. you know that's got to be done when you know when they can do it. So maybe like a like a grandmother or something that picks her kid up at Oak Grove Elementary could do like a twelve to two shift <laughs> with a hard hat <laughs> with a hard hat and uh, a thing out there. Make a couple. I'm serious. You could, the, little, the little slow sign, slow stop, slow. Stop. Oh, yeah. and just that roller, you know, just rolling it out. Oh yeah, just getting it done. So anyway, so again, very uneventful. Getting close to the end of the agenda. And then two things, Matt, were added to the agenda. Yeah, there was for a little bit of a uh, loop, but me and me and you and the other person. <laughs> and the watching. other person, the first item that was added was the police chief, Chief Worsham, came up and talked to the board about needing to fund a position that is already, I guess, on the in the budget. So he wanted to fund a position that was currently in the budget. The dispatch department currently has eight people working uh, in that department and has, I guess, availability for ten. So in the budget, he has for 10 people. However, because he needs money elsewhere, he has never funded the last two positions, or hasn't in, in years, funded the last two positions because he needed that you know those salaries to be put toward other things that the police uh, department needed. However, he has asked now that to fill one of those positions, uh, to fill one of the two. And so he did a great job to, to you know, kind of talk and not only fill the position, but wants to make that position the communications director. So basically the person in charge uh, of everybody in that department. This is something that other cities have. He mentioned South Haven, Olive Branch, everybody has a communications director. And right now, there are people that kind of take the lead in certain situations, but there's not one designated director. Basically, so the, of course, the first question would be, and this is how he did a really good job, as, as we talked about, communicating it. The first thing he said was a salary. All right, so the salary itself uh, is about 54000 to 56000 a year. $26 an hour. $26 an hour. But then when you have it all in, pension and everything, it ends up being $75,000 is what you would see that shows up on the budget. So a $75,000 position all in, you know, he starts talking about how he's going to make that up. The first thing he says is like, look, if it's approved tonight, uh, it would be $33,500 for the rest of this fiscal year, which, of course, ends September 30th. So that was the first thing he said. And he said, so then he presented his case. Why do we need this? Well, Matt, 24,087 calls in 2020, which was, you know, he said it's, it's been up three or four times what it was when he started. 3,800 have been called in in the last two months. Now, he also mentioned that he had another 1,620 calls for EMS and 1,224 calls for the fire department in 2020. These were all received by the police dispatch However, he was four other departments, which, again, he mentioned that he would have a talk with the police chief later on about how we can kind of put that with the budget and how that's going to work since now they're fielding, you know, because EMS falls under the fire. And, you know, that's right at 3,000 calls they received that the police had to pay for and the time and, and the salaries to field those calls, whereas the fire department didn't have to pay it. So, again, that's a, a conversation for another day. Uh, he mentioned that traffic accidents are up 149% uh, in the last decade. And he also said that, that Hernando patrols the most interstate 
of any municipality in DeSoto County. They have 269 on the north side, of course, 55 going down uh, right down the middle, basically, of the, of the town. And so, you know, this is a huge problem. They're filling all these calls, and they only have eight people in the department. Now, these eight people work. There's four shifts of two. As you can imagine, since there has to be two people there, and there's only eight of them, and there's, there's four shifts, uh, if one person is sick, is quarantined, they now have to call in somebody from another shift, which is, you know, cha-ching, overtime. A big deal. And the overtime, the, the aldermen have complained in the past about our overtime is so high. Why is the overtime so high? Because obviously you're paying time and a half, and it really ramps up this cost. You go over budget on your salaries, on your on your, uh, on your your payroll. And so this has been a question in the past. Well, now he's trying to explain why this happens. And has said, okay, you know, I have a remedy for this. You know, we need 10. I'm asking for one. I'm asking to go to nine. So that one person, if somebody gets sick, well, guess what? You have the extra person. So that communications director can now step in to fill for somebody, and they're all, they're still just paying that salary and not having to pay uh, that person who another person who's just got off work or about to come on the next shift to come in. So now, how is he going to have the savings? Well, the first thing he said is is that he would limit parts of the budget for about twelve thousand dollars that he had set aside for you know some other things that he could easily cut twelve thousand. He mentioned pretty much off the top on some other stuff. He had budgeted for the animal shelter position, the animal shelter that we've talked about. That you know I know that a lot of the aldermen have mentioned in the in the conversation and in you know what well, may be a topic uh, for the new board when it starts July first. Well, they had already budgeted a twenty six thousand dollar position there to you know obviously oversee that department. Well, that's no longer needed, <laughs> and so that's uh, twenty six thousand plus the twelve. So now he's up to thirty. Uh, there was body cameras that uh, he was able to get a, a grant for to help fund. That's a saving of $20,000. So now we're up to $58,000. Uh, and then he talks about, all right, so we're up to $58,000. And then there was a, also there was 832 hours of overtime. And if you add that up, that ended up being about $40,000. So now he's not saying he can eliminate all overtime because, again, if they're working together, one of them has COVID, well, now the other one has to quarantine. So he still could be one short having to call somebody else in. But he does think that he can dramatically reduce the 832 hours of overtime and there can make up again so 58 to 75 you know with the benefits you know make up the other uh, $14,000 in shortfall so that's how he's going to make it up and again so he asked for it the alderman very little discussion you know just i think he kind of over explained how to save it i mean yeah. I, I know he did what he was supposed to do or felt like he needed to do to explain where the money's going to come from but nobody had any questions he did a great job of showing hey we you know we're not using that this year not using that this year and so forth and just did a really good job explaining it, and, and it, like you said, very short discussion, if any. Mm-hmm. I think Doc Harris maybe said something real quick to him and said, hey, good job, or, yeah. you know, this sounds good, like, like I need a position. I want to say they voted overwhelmingly, correct? Yeah, they, it was unanimous. Correct. And, and for those of y'all that may be wondering, uh, so, again, 20, it was it was approved, so they will start putting out hiring, he said, both internally and externally for that position. Again, $26 an hour. Uh, for those of y'all that want to know, that compares to the sheriff's department. They pay their communications director 32 an hour. South Haven pays theirs 26 an hour, so it would be very similar to South Haven. Olive Branch pays theirs $27.12 an hour. So, again, very comparable to the cities. Now, obviously, the sheriff does pay a little more, but they're covering a much wider area. Uh, so, again, thought a good job by him, and that was approved. Then, Matt, okay, so we're sitting there looking there. It's been about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, which, you know, we're like, okay, that was not on the agenda. Getting ready. I'm, I'm literally getting ready to click off the button, ready for somebody to say, can we adjourn the meeting? And then Alderman Ward 3 decides that he wants to make a statement. Uh, and so he made a statement asking for... He simply he mentioned at the beginning, he said, Mr. Mayor, I'd like to make a statement about cyberbullying. That's what he said. So Gary said that uh, on a social media page that there was accusations made 
toward the city clerk that she had not done her job correctly, that she had gone and uh, there were um, you know, some financial issues with the city and that she had not done her job correctly. And he went on record saying that it was not true, uh, that they, uh, what the, you know, she had talked about, and I think this had been done in public meetings before. She kind of discussed that she was trying to get the audit out and that there had been delays from the accounting department because of COVID. There were delays in getting the reports. And so, um, you know, it was nothing done nefariously. It was just because there was just a, a backlog uh, because of everything going on with the pandemic. And, you know, she had stated that publicly. I think Alderman had asked her about it and she had it on record. Well, he said that, you know, that somebody, a former mayor had accused her of basically not doing her job and that he wanted to publicly apologize for, you know, he was apologizing to her publicly for the board, for her having to hear that, for her having to go through that, and also called for the former mayor to publicly apologize also. Correct. And so um, just very short two or three minute statement. If you have not heard it if, and you're interested, I would suggest you go to the YouTube channel for her, the city of Hernando. Uh, go to the last three minutes of the uh, of the recording and uh, listen for yourself. I think another part of that statement, Derek, again, Gary Higdon is the uh, alderman for Ward 3, not seeking re-election. No, he's he, wrapping he, up he's his retiring. Time. Right, he's retiring. What I got took away from it was Gary simply said, hey, our city employees are city employees. Our city employees are uh, employed as if they were employed at your local restaurant or grocery store or whatever. They're, they're our city employees. And if you have a accusation or something about the board of aldermen or about city finances or worry or concern, come talk to us. Come talk to the board of aldermen. Our group are seven. We're elected. We've put our faces out there as elected officials. You know, come talk to us uh, about the situation if you have a concern. Right. Because she, she's, she's private. I she's mean, a she, private. Yeah, exactly. She's, she's probably hired by the city. And he's thinking, you know, if a private citizen should not be attacked by something for a public entity that could have done something wrong. Correct. And that's what uh, he, that's a great way to put it. And yeah, and so he came out there and asked, he publicly apologized himself and for the board and asked for the former mayor to also publicly apologize. And correct me if I'm wrong, the young lady we're speaking of who works for the city of Hernando has been hired, was hired before the current mayor. That is correct. Uh, and so, and she sits on there, she's on the board, um, you know. Uh, and, she sits by the board, right? She, she, she sits mayor. right next yes. to the mayor. Uh, I mean, she's the one that takes all the notes. She's the one that puts out the minutes for every meeting. Correct. Um, she's just in her official title is the city clerk. Uh, so again, I just, it was a little shocking. Came out of nowhere, obviously it was not on the agenda. Now, I'm, I don't know if all the aldermen knew about it before or not. Uh, and talking with one, I don't think they did. Uh, at least uh, not all of them did. And so, again, it was just uh, something that felt that he needed to say. Just a kind of a, I don't know, a uh, interesting way to end a meeting. Interesting way to uh, end the meeting. You're right, Derek. Uh, and you know, like you said, Gary just felt like he needed to do it and say it and, and, and mention it. And you and I would both agree. We have Facebook pages, not personally, but as a, as a podcast. And some of the stuff that we see on Facebook or different emails that we get that we don't talk about on air, you know, are pretty funny and you know, uh, very interesting. But again, it was something that was important to him, and that's how we ended the meeting the other night. Uh, again, 20, 25, 30 minutes of, of not a whole lot going on, and then we get a new, we get a funded position, which we both agree with. We oh, uh, we think, I mean, the mayor, great choice, great choice. The chief of police did a phenomenal job, laid it all out there. Um, looking forward to that hiring. If it helps the police department, I think uh, most people would be in. And then, uh, you know, Gary made a statement to kind of wrap things up. So very interesting. Again, maybe this will drive the YouTube channel uh, <laughs> to more than three. Um, so just, you know, go check it out.
Now, turning to South Haven, not not near as interesting meeting, uh, sure. I guess, overall, uh, but they did have a couple things that came out of it. Um, we Again, we broke it down on Tuesday. They had four things on their planning agenda. You know, Basically, it was just that and the mayor's report. There wasn't much else going on. And, Matt, this meeting was kept to 30 minutes. Sure. Uh, so, again, we went back pretty quickly. Of the four uh, things that were up on the, the uh, planning agenda, three of them were approved. No discussion. She read it straight through. and planning director did, and that was it was done. The only one that was not was the first one, the subdivision approval for Central Gardens. It was tabled to 316. They want there was a uh, wanted to talk a little more about a potential walking trail, and so they kind of just tabled that one uh, to the next meeting. Other than that, the other three uh, were approved with no issues. Then he went on to the mayor's report. Mayor's report really had two two things, two main things that he talked about. The first was a pedestrian project. Now this is the the one that we very meant that we mentioned on Tuesday, sidewalk from 51 all the way up Northwest Drive to Associate Park. What he mentioned, of course. Old news, especially to the mayor and the board of aldermen. However, he did mention that it was going to start, and then once it starts, that's at some points during the construction, State Line Road will go down to one lane. Uh, also, State Line Road, also known as Main Street, will go down to one lane because they're having to do five houses at a time to cut through the driveways to lay the sidewalk. Um, and so they'll have those people obviously can't park on the driveways; they'll have to park uh, on the street. And so that will happen. And so when that happens, when that starts, they're going to be doing five houses at a time. Uh, all the way down the street, and however long that takes, there will be you know, that one lane of State Line Road, and I'm I'm assuming they would do one side and then come to the other side and not have it you know down to two lanes total, uh, but that's what they talked about doing, and so that will start. They hope to do it as, as fast as possible, but there will be delays, there will be signage, so please look at that if you're you're driving down State Line Road. The other thing that he mentioned was Spring Fest. You know, he officially said Spring Fest would not happen uh, this spring. The and the reason for that has nothing. You know, this is of course the you know this, this took place on Tuesday night, so the the governor had already mentioned uh, that he would be reducing or eliminating the, the mass mandate, which we'll get to in just a moment. Um, but the, um, you know, that would take place the next day. He did say, obviously, he knows that was going to be announced. However, when you're planning Spring Fest, you start planning it in December and January. Booking the you know the the entertainment, booking the the vendors that come in, booking the rides, and so all those people had already had you know they, they kind of reached out, uh, called around, and most of those had already been booked somewhere else, uh, or had shut it down for the season, and so they just said you know we can't um, we can't get it done, it's, it, no, don't have enough time, so they decided to eliminate it for the spring. However. To move it or to go ahead and have uh, the person that plans the Spring Fest or heads it up every year, have her go ahead and look at the October 26th to October 30th weekend. And so now they're going to move it and call it potentially Harvest Fest is what was put on the table. Not an official name yet, but they're going to look at it. So possibly Harvest Fest to happen the end of that October. And so be looking for that to come up. They, they compared it with other weekends. They checked with other cities. No issues going on that weekend. Now, of course, football games and whatever for colleges, high school football games obviously would take place. But, you know, for the entire – for the you know, it starts on like a Wednesday night. Uh, I think they let them start loading in all the way through Sunday. You know, that can start and you go from there. This may become an annual thing. There was discussion, hey – we do. We will have Spring Fest next year. It will be the fourth weekend in April. You know, we're going to be you know bigger and stronger. However, this may be the looking at doing a Spring Fest Harvest Fest every year. That 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 was on the table. Again, nothing was approved. Just discussion by the alderman, but real good discussion. So uh, that's really all that he had. Uh, other than that, just a couple of things. They did. They paid a couple of bills and uh, went to executive session. So not not too not too much coming out of the meeting. But I think that the uh, Spring Fest information and of course the update on the pedestrian project were, were interesting. Right, and I think you had mentioned off air the mayor said something about trying to still have a barbecue side of it and everything like that but memphis and may had moved up their stuff since memphis and may the, the concert 
situation of it is canceled. They moved the barbecue festival up to the first weekend in May. That's right. And so that would affect the Spring Fest, which is at the end of April. But, I mean, I like the idea of a Harvest Fest. Again, South Haven, over the next, you know, over the next 10, 15, 20 years, really going to start pushing that stuff down to the uh, Silo Square area. Mm-hmm. It's really going to be, a, you know, Mayor Musselwhite said it right here. He wants that to be an entertainment district over the next two, three decades there in the central part of DeSoto County. So they're going to push, whether it be Spring Fest, Harvest Fest, you know, anything like that, they're going to be pushing that area. And I, I, would, I would assume that'll be right around the time the uh, some of the new restaurants will get well. The bridge is supposed to be done. The bridge is supposed to be done, all that type of stuff. So it may be a really neat time uh, to kind of get that. And, you know, late October, you can possibly still catch a nice 70-degree night. Yeah, and they, they kind of mentioned that, you know, in April, it could be 70 or it could be, I mean, there's been some cold rain sure. in Spring Fest. And so it, basically it's the same weather. You're looking at the exact same weather. If you're looking for better weather, reach out to Magical Destinations of Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or that tropical getaway, Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated right here under the water tower. Give them a call today to start planning your magical getaway. Their number is 662-469-6304. That's 662-469-6304. Or check out their Facebook and Instagram page at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Magical Destinations Unlimited on Facebook and Instagram. North Point is over the moon excited to announce that they have added an evening open house for the month of March. Monday, March 22nd, they will have an evening open house at 6 p.m. Swing by after work and see why families in three states, 28 cities, and 41 zip codes have made North Point DeSoto County's largest and most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school. North Point is conveniently located in DeSoto County near the intersections of Goodman and Getwell Roads. For nearly 50 years, the school has been delivering a high-quality and affordable private education that is distinctively and unapologetically Christian. School representatives will be on hand to answer your questions about North Point's distinctive approach to school health and safety, as well as their unmatched academic, athletic, and arts offerings. Reserve your spot today by contacting the Director of Admissions, Ms. Sheila Sharon, at 662-349-5127. Again, Sheila Sharon, 662-349-5127. You know, Derek, we've had wonderful reaction to our candidate interviews this past Wednesday, the special show uh, two days ago that came out on Facebook. We want to thank everybody for that. Uh, well over 2,000, I want to say yeah, well over 2,000 shares for our Facebook page, so definitely uh, a good number. Speaking of Board of Aldermen, Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local state farm provider, is located at 11 West Commerce Street, directly across from the Hernando Post Office. Lauderdale Insurance is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, former alderman and local resident of Hernando. His team specializes in insurance for life, home, business, and auto. Mr. Sam encourages you to compare coverage, service, and price, but feels confident Lauderdale Insurance Agency should be your insurance provider. Please call Sam, Sherry, Angie, or Jennifer at 429-5213. That's 429-5213. Or find them on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency. That's Lauderdale Insurance Agency on Facebook. Hi, Matt. We've covered the city, and as we do, we like to expand out from there. There's nothing specifically that was county-related from the Board of Supervisors or anything like that that we had for today. So we'll go out to the state news, and we have two uh, pretty large stories uh, for the state news. I would say so. The first, uh, of course, we, we briefly mentioned uh, during the South Haven uh, Alderman meeting, was that uh, on Tuesday, Governor Tate Reeves uh, has basically ditched the mask mandates uh, with Executive Order 1549. 
Uh, Executive Order 1549 said that uh, as of Wednesday, he would remove all mask mandates and related business restrictions. So all able to open up. Um, the governor you know, based his decision on the following hospitalizations, the case numbers going down, and the increases of the number of vaccines both available and given out. He commented that no county, and not even DeSoto County, which was one of the first ones to meet it, that no county meets the original criteria for a mask mandate. Uh, he replaced the current orders with recommendations that everyone should listen to health advisors for the best possible wisdom regarding how you can personally stem the risk of catching the COVID, but obviously not putting any kind of state mandates on it. And uh, that the only remaining orders, now there are still a couple that kind of hang on, is that he's limiting 50% in indoor arenas and masks are required in K-12 schools. Uh, the K-12 schools are also limited to 50% for outdoor sports and 25% for in, indoor sports. Now, you may be asking, well, you just said it was, you know, 50% uh, for indoor arenas. You know, State and Ole Miss have very large, you know, arenas. The, the big house down in Jackson is a very large arena. But, you know, for a high school gym, you're, you're a lot closer. There's not as many seats. And so he's still keeping those at 25%. Uh, if there was a football game the spring, a, a spring game or anything, that would be 50% for right now. But all the other mandates, all the other restrictions have been lifted. And he's real close. Basketball just wrapping up. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Basketball wrapping up. Um, I don't think there's any more, quote-unquote, quote indoor uh, sports are they are the is there a spring volleyball i miss or anything uh like that? you know there may be like a volleyball tournament competitively something like right. that other than that no. yeah so kind of convenient to just keep it at 25 or you know whatever you got you're wrapping up the basketball season and so basically it's just you know the baseball stadiums at this point would have 50 percent right yeah. right which uh I, you and i played high school baseball i think rarely did we get above yeah it. <laughs> it's just your parents man it's just your parents yeah. coming to watch it's you maybe your buddies yeah. are driving up in the outfield and watching you exactly and in the yelling at you and laughing yeah. at you your girlfriend maybe if you had a girlfriend i don't know but uh you know was there but uh pretty pretty small the, the diamond girls were there i guess they oh diamond are they, girls. I, yeah they, i guess they're allowed this year right they still have the diamond girls well i mean we, I, i'm talking about during covid they're still gonna have the diamond i guess girls. Yeah. yeah 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 who knows most people were kind of surprised that it went this aggressive tate reeves um i don't think tate reeves has been talked about nationally this much you know maybe ever texas said they're going to roll it out or said they're going to do away yeah, with it was within, with, yeah within 30 minutes of each other they announced right. it but mississippi did it the next day and texas waited a week well yeah texas said march 10th and uh tate reeves uh <laughs> he just kind of with the with the you know swoop of a pen just kind of uh, took the mask away and stuff i will say one thing Derek. like I, you and i are friends with uh, dentists and the medical professionals uh please listen to my voice when i say this the medical offices the dental offices they're still going to be they're they're governed by the board of the the dental board the medical board so they're still going to be practicing the the mask inside the offices and that type stuff well and some churches have decided churches, to do that yeah, because i'm one of them right now right because what's the bank doing uh, the bank still same way, okay, still same the same way. way. Kroger, okay. same way. Walmart, same way. Okay. So that they, so they're still requiring you if you're going to you know be a customer at one of those places, you do they still do ask you to put on a mask. Still yeah. required to wear a mask. And there's some mayors. The mayor of Jackson have uh, come out and said, you know, we understand what the governor has said. However, for the city of Jackson, we're still requiring you to wear a mask in our businesses and et cetera. So, and, I, and part of the, what the governor said was, I mean, he's he's given the powers to the county. That's he's given the county. Uh, he's given the power to the mayors to do that type of stuff to the individual to the individual exactly that's what he's saying but what he said was when we started the mask mandate at, at our numbers x y and z 
-hmm. And now no county in the state of Mississippi is at those numbers. That's right. And that's what he's simply saying was it, it, you know, things are headed in a certain direction and stuff. But, I mean, you know, like I said, Tate Reeves uh, definitely talked about nationally in the last, uh, you know, two, three days. You know, President Biden uh, was was a a bit uh, opinionated on Texas and Mississippi. I mean, called a thinking in Texas and Mississippi. He called it Neanderthal thinking that's correct. Was, was i believe what he said so uh you know pretty interesting i will tell you one thing derek my wife mentioned a story to me she was in south haven in sam's uh yesterday um you know just kind of minding her business and and you know witness a lady walk in totally ignored the very nice elderly lady who said man we we're still doing the mask and stuff totally ignored her walked into the sam's got her water went to check out uh and the people at sam's were uh, would not would not check her out they wouldn't check her out and uh we won't say it on the podcast. I'll say it. Maybe she showed her butt. I'll say that. How's that? How's that for you? She showed her butt, and and Heather said it was uh, it was very eye opening. You know, uh, both ways. I mean, you know, she was um, she just mentioned being very uncomfortable. This lady was uh, very entitled, and and you know, started to to kind of berate the people there working uh, at Sam's, and it just kind of made me to think. You know, we're gonna like you said, Kroger, Walmart, those type places. Uh, those people are just showing up to work every day. They're just simply telling them, you know, it's come down to them on what to do and so forth. Um, Maybe a little bit of compassion, that type stuff. If you need to walk into Walmart or Kroger or something like that, you know, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. You can get mad. You can get upset. But the thing is, then you don't have to go shop there. That's exactly right. There are plenty of other places. You can tell them that if you want to say, well, if you don't let me in, I'll take my business elsewhere. That's fine. I mean, you're not hurting that person's feelings. They they get paid an hourly wage (laughs) to welcome you. And if, you know, if that's, if you don't want to go there, if you don't want to put on a mask, you can find somewhere else that will accept you without a mask. And that, right. that's it. It's not to people that get so worked up. It's just, hey, you just go elsewhere. And that may be, yes, you're you're speaking with your dollar. And at some point, if, if enough people do that, then yes, it could affect them to change their policy. That's that's a possibility. But you don't have to yell about it. You don't have to scream. That person did not make the decision. No. Didn't make the decision. I think Heather said what the, the, the lady there, and she was funny. She was saying, you know, her uh, high top bun or high top uh, ponytail and, you know, athletic <laughs> workout pants and stuff. Kind of, yeah, I think she said be bopping around, you know, and stuff and, and, and that. But uh, the people, you know, just said, hey, this is uh, this is our policy. This is what we're going to do and, and so forth. And, and you know, I think the lady actually said the word communist uh, to the people which to me is laughing because you know not not a lot of people even know necessarily you know what that definition can can be but look i mean it, it happened i mean you know i mean like you said our, our church is kind of going to stay the same way right now and so forth and and it's it's interesting i mean tate reeves just kind of like i said he, he he's he, leaving it to companies he's to leaving it to right and, and, and I, I mean all he did was he just removed the government aspect of it. correct and, and isn't that as mississippians and and typically as as pretty libertarian minded people that we all here are down here especially conservative and that type of stuff that's typically what people want mm-hmm. government kind of out of their their way now the government tells you not to wear a mask or wear a whatever the government's getting out of it but the businesses from a commerce standpoint can do what they want they that's, can do it's that they, simple I mean, same thing with wearing shoes same thing with you know, no, no, no shirt no, no shirt, shirt no shoes exactly they can say no mask yeah. again you don't have to go there yeah. but if you do go there just please respect what they're asking you to do that's real it. quick question if you and i went to a local store Neither one of us wearing shirts. They'd probably let you in. And they would, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> they'd let you come in and say, okay, you pass the test, and I, I'd be going back to the, to the truck. As blinding white as I am right now. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very, very true. All right, so, Derek, something else that big that came out. Again, we talked about the mask mandate and, and uh, you know, with it being lifted. Uh, the world, I will say this. Things look a lot, a lot different. I've been to a couple of restaurants, and I noticed, you know, tables where they were, had been moved out, and I forgot that they were even there. Um, so been been pretty interesting, uh, but, you know, it's, it's – 
you know, Hernandez definitely kind of opened him back up, and, and we'll, we'll go from there. Derek, something else that came out pretty big out of the uh, the, the state legislature this week, uh, national news, made national news. Uh, I- interesting. Tell us about it. All right, so, of course, we, we've reviewed some of the bills that have either passed the House or the Senate, one or the other, uh, and they have a chance of passing. We've talked about several on here on the show for the past, I don't know, two or three weeks, uh, if not more. But there's, you know, one major topic now that has actually been passed by both houses, and it is um, actually already on the governor's desk. So this is one of the first bills to actually reach the governor's desk, passing both houses, both the, the, with the um, House passing it last. And the title of the legislation is SB 2536. And so, as we said, it's first, one of the first to make the uh, governor's desk, and the, de- the legislation is designed to prevent transgender people from competing in female sports in K-12 through schools and at colleges and universities in the state of Mississippi. That's the way it reads. Uh, it, I, I wasn't somewhere. aware of the colleges and universities. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, K-12 through schools and at colleges and universities in the state of Mississippi. The wording, and I'm going to read the wording because I want to make sure that I say it correctly, athletes, teams, or sports designated for, quote, females, quote, women, or, quote, girls, should not be open to students of the male sex, addressing them born as a male. Any question of a person's gender, uh, the person would be sent to the doctor to have the issue clarified based on genetics and other factors. Very interesting, Derek. So, you know, basically what it's saying, and, and I think that uh, for those of y'all that have kept up with, and this basically really came out last summer, did some research on it just to make sure that, you know, I was talking about facts. So if some of y'all remember back uh, last summer, well, early summer, late spring in May, uh, so basically the end of the school year last year, there were still uh, teams competing. Uh, this would have been in Connecticut, where um, there were former men, former guys, uh, who were claiming themselves, uh, identifying themselves as female. And that's the key word there. They identified themselves Correct. as female. They had not necessarily gone, undergone any kind of you know physical or chemical change, uh, had a, identified themselves as females, were running female cross country, uh, running female track and field. And they were winning female track and field. They were dominating. They were dominating. They were, they were winning uh, a lot of the state titles. And that obviously came up. I mean, it was women who complained. They basically filed, uh, said that it was a violation of, of Title IX, uh, which was put into place to, um, you know, obviously give, uh, make sure that women were give, treated fairly on scholarships and offered the same opportunities as men back in the early 70s. It's been there, obviously, 40 years. And so that's, you know, that's what they were claiming. And, you know, it went, uh, the state of Connecticut said that it was legal. Uh, as well as 18 other states also declared it legal. The Wait, 18 other states declared it legal for them to compete? Yes. For them uh, to compete? Yes. Wow. And then the uh, U.S. Department of Education, who is – now, this this is not a court. This is the Department of Education. They came out at the time – this is May and June timeframe of last summer – and said that you know they are the ones that are, are in charge of making sure that Title IX is followed. And so they said this is against Title IX, that you are taking opportunities away from female athletes, especially to be rewarded – and so they said that this is not legal, that you, you're not able to do this anymore. And so they said, if you continue to do that, we will withdraw all funding. And that's kind of where it stood. You know, the ACLU got involved. There were some lawsuits that are still out, out there. Uh, there have been states previous to Mississippi. Idaho has already passed it. Several other states, uh, and Idaho actually passed it last year pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, other states have come out and done the same thing. Uh, Mississippi uh, is just the latest state to address this. And again, you may be saying, well, you know, this is, nine months later while they're addressing it well at the time the mississippi session already closed right uh the governor was not going to call a special session just to discuss this so this is the first session since all this went down last summer and so they are taking it up passed 
I think the one vote was 82-18. I don't remember what the other vote in the other house was. Pretty dramatic, I guess, agreement that this should be. It has now reached the governor's desk, and we'll be, uh, I'm, I'm assuming we'll be signed this week. Yeah, Derek, we've done a really good job here at the UTW podcast. Uh, you keep me kind of in a certain way. Like there may be topics I mention or, or mention, and you say, hey, let's let's let it get a little closer to us. Let's uh, There's not necessarily um, you know about us or anything like that, but, but this is. This is uh, something that has happened in the state of Mississippi. Uh, the state legislature has uh, approved this legislation that will go to the uh, the governor, and uh, he has said he will sign it instantly. He has three daughters. They all compete in sports, and uh, I think he kind of feels like it's uh, an opportunity to stand up for young ladies. Now, what you didn't mention, the, the ladies in Connecticut, the girls that filed the lawsuit, these are the girls that would have won the state That's titles. Correct. Yeah, these, are, these were the came best. second yes, and third. These are the I mean, best of the best. They When they were on a podium uh, there last year, they were on a podium, they would have been one and two and three or one and two. Instead, they were two and three or maybe even three to people born as boys. Well, and they came out and won handily in right. the races they ran. That is correct. And, and, and I want to be clear, this has not come up in Mississippi at all. Right. This, this is Mississippi uh, getting in front of what they perceive as uh, uh, as an issue that could come up. Sure. And so they there has not been any case of this in Mississippi. Right. This is just based off what happened in other states last summer. Uh, other states have already, you know, as I said, Idaho, some other ones have already passed the leg- very similar legislation. And that's what now. Now that it is the law, obviously the law could be challenged. Won't say it will be. You know, this spring, I'm not going to say it's going to be next fall, but at some point, now that it is law, it would not surprise me to see ACLU or somebody like that challenge the law. Uh, and so we'll see how that holds up if we ever gets there. Again, it's in other courts pending. There's been no precedent set yet in any court in America that I that I found. Uh, so hope you know. Again, so we don't know how that's going to hold up, but that is what it is. I think that a lot of people that listen uh, would be in agreement um, that you know, hey, you know, this is. Uh, something that we probably need to watch. And, and, and I don't know if it would ever be a problem in DeSoto County. But it is state of Mississippi. Uh, it does now affect DeSoto County athletes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, it was it did make national news um, just, you know, I guess <laughs> two stories in two days. So we want to make sure that we kind of covered it on here. Right. It's something that happened in the state of Mississippi. We'll talk about it. You know, Derek, I've got two daughters. Most people that are listening can kind of figure out how I maybe feel about this. You and I played sports a ton as a younger person, as a young high school or middle school. If I had begin to identify as a girl and had the opportunity to compete against the other people that I was in school with, we know what that would have looked like. Well, period. and I think, you know, the, the topic of, of a transgender, you know, is for a whole other show, a whole other sure. time. Uh, but I think, you know, if I, I would hope the athletes in Connecticut, I would hope with the same thing. I would hope that you would not identify just to win sure and, and I don't I, I you know the, the students that I know if, the, if that's something that they're struggling with personally or they've been thinking about I can't imagine that any of them would say mm, maybe I should do this just so I can you right. know be better athletically than I am currently of in course. my current state so I, you know I, I don't I don't think anything like that would happen but uh, you know the state of Mississippi has kind of talked about the what they felt they you know discussed it uh, now I will say that in one of the houses that the when it was brought up uh, there was not questions and uh, answered there was no question and answer session it was basically this is it here it is and we're going to vote so you know i you know if, and people can you know probably complain and have complained about how that took place sure. which i understand i mean it's supposed to be a public forum and now they can't ask questions because they kind of rammed it through pretty quickly but i think it was to limit a lot of that stuff which you just mentioned so anyway it will be signed by the governor at some point uh, i don't see him having to send it back to change anything uh, and it will be you know one of the first laws signed this session 
We're going to turn our attention to local news. Again, on Fridays, we always do our DeSoto County shout-outs. We uh, uh, shine a light on things going on, different opportunities, whether it be uh, the t- uh, teacher fair uh, that happened this past week, which I think was a big success, those type things. We, we go ahead and just shine a light on some positive things. Derek, something up, Healing Hearts. Healing Hearts, you're going to tell us about that. they got something coming up pretty, pretty neat, a uh, fundraiser going on. What you got? Matt, spring is here, and it's time to enjoy those great outdoors. Uh, join Healing Hearts for their Aim to Heal Hearts Clay Shoot event, which is going to be Friday, April 2nd, at McAvore Shooting Range in Sardis, Mississippi. This event is sponsored by Boren and Hawkins, and it will benefit, all the benefits will go to the Healing Hearts Advocacy Center. You can sign up today by visiting uh, healingheartscac.com networkforgood.com or for more information please call healing hearts at 662-349-1555 that's 662-349-1555 uh, the event will include a four-person teams located on a 15 station course there'll be a total of 100 shots per person lunch will be provided and there will also be a bird flush available to shoot in some side games so just a really cool event happening uh, on a friday uh down uh, down there in sardis and again 662-349-1555 to to sign up for that event the healing hearts advocacy center is something that you and i've been involved with uh, through the crew of fernando donations to uh through the crew and and both personally uh, just a wo- wonderful amazing thing that they do uh helping DeSoto county kids helping be the voice for DeSoto county kids uh in some very difficult decisions look look up healing hearts and definitely learn a little bit more about that about that opportunity that 501c3 or that nonprofit uh, organization that works uh, each and every day for DeSoto County kids and actually a ton of kids down here in Hernando especially Derek something else Hernando related coming up with the farmers market farmers markets right around the corner spring day spring weather today and yesterday uh, that was so nice. Maybe think about the farmers market. Tell us about that. The Hernandez Farmers Market, the annual vendors meeting, will be Friday, March 26th, from 9:30 a.m. till noon. Uh, this will be held at the City Hall boardroom, or you can join online by Zoom. The meeting is free. However, you do have to register. So contact 662-469-8480 or DeSoto at Extension. So DeSoto at ext.msstate.edu. Uh, the, they'll have speakers, including Gia Matheny, uh, Joy Anderson from the DeSoto Extension Office, Charles Wally from the Department of Revenue of Hernando, Pervy Green from the Department of Agriculture and Commerce, and Serena Johnson from the Mississippi State Department of Health will all be there to kind of go through what they expect. If you want to be a vendor this year at the Farmer's Market, which will start Saturday, May 1st. Again, that'll start Saturday, May 1st is when the uh, Farmer's Market will open this year. It's about a week later, but they, you know, they're going to start at that first, that first May Day. I guess you call it May Day. Uh, so, again, if you're interested in setting up, you really need to attend this meeting to hear all the, the guidelines that you need to follow uh, to be a vendor this year. Derek, you're a pretty busy guy between your uh, work week and, and different uh, nonprofit things you're a part of and stuff. Something you do is serve on the board of the DeSoto Arts Council, and they have a new exhibit. They have something going on. Is it this weekend or just? It's next weekend. Okay, so next weekend. Again, this is our Friday DeSoto County shout-outs. Uh, we kind of start under the water tower and work our way out. DeSoto Arts Council. Cute little building. Uh, I say cute, cute little building, I guess, if you can say that. Right there on the left on 51, right out the square. Tell us about the, the exhibit. All right, so on March 13th, Saturday, March 13th, they're having an ex- exhibit Express Yourself. Uh, this will be from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. They're going to have a local artist, Susan Fullwood. She's going to have her local art there for about three hours. You can come and meet Susan at the DeSoto Arts Council, see her work, 
and all the other talented artists that are at the Soto Art Center. Her work will be able to be for sale if you want to purchase it. And so again, this is going to be going out throughout the spring. So about every weekend, every other weekend, they're going to have a new artist uh, coming on Saturday, starting on May thir- uh, excuse me, starting on March 13th for the first one with Susan Fullwood. So again, if you've never been there, there's, there's wonderful artists in this town. Uh, they've got a lot of a lot to offer. And so please go by there. There is a gift shop. Uh, you can again, you can buy her art, uh, meet her. You can look at the, all the other things. And again, kind of pay attention. Uh, they do a pretty good job posting on Facebook, uh, getting the word out. Uh, this will be changing every couple of weeks or so. They'll bring a new artist in throughout the spring to see what they offer and, and maybe you know purchase something for yourself or for your family. What was the name of the exhibit again? Uh, exhibit Express Yourself. Okay, Express Yourself. One way to express yourself is with a beautiful smile. Absolutely. If you're looking for help with your smile, reach out to DeSoto Family Dental Care. With over 60 years of combined dental experience, Dr. Seymour, Paroli, and Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments, general dentistry, implants, implant-supported dentures, and now Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technology such as digital scanning, intraoral cameras, digital x-rays, and autoclave sterilization. An in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully involved in the lab process from beginning to end. The office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office today to see the difference. Or give them a call at 662-429-5239. That's 662-429-5239 for the DFDC difference. Since 2001, Green King Spray Services has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419, again, 662-892-8419, or their website, greenkingspray.com. If you want it green, call the king. While they're not partners, a lush, green, quality yard is important to Green King and our next sponsor, William Services. William Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Whether it's fencing, winter cleanup, leaf removal, fence repair, anything like that going on for your property, please reach out to Richard and his team at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or find Richard on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Really looking forward to sitting down with Richard coming up in the spring, coming up discussing uh, landscaping, mulch, all that kind of different stuff. stuff. Stuff that you know you and I enjoy talking about. Yeah, I'm a customer of Green King. They do a great job. I actually, sprayed my yard on Wednesday. Okay. So you know, I like it when they. You know, some people say I don't like the dye. Why do they do the dye? I like the dye because I know they've been there. <laughs> well, so. they, well, they've been there, and you, for a few days you have a 
a, a greener it yard. Green. It does yeah, it's green. a greener yard. So speaking of green, speaking of fields, speaking of spring, uh, we're going to turn our attention to baseball coming up pretty soon. Still working through how we're going to cover baseball. Uh, again, we are not going to sit here and discuss strategies. Uh, we may give some basic records and stuff like that, but probably not going to give a whole lot of details until we get further into the district season, certainly into the playoffs, that type stuff. Before we turn our attention to baseball, we have a few things left to happen on the hardwood. Wrapping up our basketball coverage, DeSoto County basketball is still being played. Derek, tell us about it. Well, Matt, we had three teams left. The three teams left, starting, we'll start with the girls. First game that happened, this game happened on Wednesday night. And the Lady Conquistadors uh, defeated Meridian 73-53. to 73-53. This was a rematch of the earlier game this year. Uh, if you remember, Matt, we actually cut this one of the first games we covered. Olive Branch beat Meridian 66-55 to when Meridian was ranked number one. Uh, this is, I think this was like the second or third game that Olive Branch played of the season. They beat them 66-55, so a rematch of that game. Olive Branch actually increased the spread I was of the say, victory. So, yeah, so it's a team that at one point was the number one team in the, in the state comes in and loses by 20 in the semifinals. That's correct. Yeah. The game was close, and I give, give Meridian credit. It was close to the fourth quarter, and in the fourth quarter, Olive Branch uh, held Meridian only five points and put up 18 of their own. Wow. Pretty much just shut the door. Uh, but just a great win uh, by Olive Branch. They will now be playing in the f- championship game. Uh, the championship game will be Saturday at 5 p.m. They will be playing, again, Germantown High School, which is uh, in Madison, Germantown High School. Uh, the Lady Conquistadors were led by Rima Piggies with 24 points and Addison Howell with 22 points. The Lady Conquistadors are trying to go for their third straight state title. Wow. They won it two years ago as a 5A school. Last year they won 6A, and now they're going for back-to-back-to-back titles uh, at the second time in 6A Saturday afternoon. Good luck to the Lady Keesters, absolutely carrying the DeSoto County banner down to Jackson. Good luck to you ladies uh, as y'all continue to to carry that banner. And We really, uh, you know, we'll be pulling for the UTW podcast. Hope you can bring the gold ball back to DeSoto County. Derek, a group of young ladies traveled from South Haven over to Cookville, Tennessee. I'm discussing, or at least I'm talking about the North Point Lady Trojans. Traveled over, I guess they left yesterday. I think I saw that on our UTW podcast Instagram. I was able to see that. Traveled over. Man, what a fun trip to be able to go over the night before, get ready for a basketball game however did not go the way the lady trojans absolute heartbreaking loss north point the lady trojans lose 42 to 40 in the last 30 seconds of the game north it was tied 15 15 i I was following this throughout the day yesterday throughout the afternoon yesterday yes i was also working uh but i was following throughout the day 15 50 at the end of the first quarter north point takes a 27 to 18 lead in the second quarter up by nine up by nine they're hitting the threes they had one girl went three for four on threes i mean they're really making their shots you know so it looks okay we got a nine point lead Third quarter, they are ahead 34-32, so still got the lead, but obviously it's been it's it's you know it's shrunk. And in the last quarter, uh, just back and forth. I think I was watching it at one point. North Point was up like 39 to 38, 39, 36, 30. I can tell you the last minute. So North Point is down 39-38. Uh, they get a layup to go up 40 to 39, right at a minute left. They come down. The team comes down, hits a three. With 30 seconds left, so now it's 42-40, to which obviously we know is the final score, so I kind of gave away the ending. The North Point gets the ball. They have a turnover under the goal. So, still 42-40, the other team gets the ball. However, North Point has only has two fouls in the second half. So, they have to keep fouling them to get them to the line. So, they have to give out four fouls, which, of course, is eating clock. So, they finally get their seventh foul to come to the bonus line with seven seconds left. Girl goes to the bonus line, misses Misses. the free throw. So, North Point gets it, calls their last timeout. 
has a chance for three, front of the rim, ball game. The Lady Trojans haven't lost, I would say. Their last loss, Matt, was to Hernando. In December. In December. Yep. They, they had won 18 yet. in a row and just a heartbreaking loss just short of the finals. Uh, so just a great, great year by the by the Trojans. I, know just, I mean, I remember when I played high school, you know, especially in baseball, we, you know, in football we were average. But in baseball, I mean, we were always pretty good. Just I would rather lose by twenty oh, than absolutely. by two. Yeah, <laughs> than by yeah two. the girls, the girls at Meridian right now. Yeah, they, they're like, they hey man, we did the best we could. They were done. Olive yeah. Branch is good. We lost by twenty. Let's go to Wendy's and go home. Yeah. Uh, no, the Lady Trojans uh, losing in a heartbreak fashion. So, ladies, great, great, great season. Absolutely, you have not lost a basketball game in 2021 right. until until uh, yesterday. So, uh, shout out to you girls and continued success. Yeah, Bright Faith Cherry led with 11 points along with Leah Jones with 11 points. This was Leah Jones' last game. Uh, and so she will be, you know, she did, she is going to be able to play in college. Uh, but just, you know, just again, congratulations, girls. And uh, everybody comes back but Leah Jones. Wow. So, you know, they have it. Now, not saying, obviously, she signed with a D2 school, so she, right. she's good. But, uh, you know, they has everybody else coming back. So hopefully they make another run next year. Congratulations on a great season. Played probably well over 20 games. You know, 25 and uh, 23 and 5 was your final record. 23 and 5. You almost played 30 games. Uh, we don't have to keep talking about it. I mean, you know, what a coincidence with the mask mandate being uh, lifted in the state of Mississippi and so forth. I don't need to keep reminding everybody uh, what goes on in Shelby County schools. I think it's almost, I would sometimes say it might be criminal. But anyway, speaking of basketball, speaking of uh, state tournaments one boys team from DeSoto County remains they are pretty darn good tell us about that game Derek Matt they did not disappoint Lake Cormorant the Gators they pull out a victory in the semifinals 56 to 51 over Hattiesburg the Gators advanced to the championship this is their first time ever in the championship uh, of course, if you listened to us last uh, show, you would know that because it was also their first time to the Final sure. Four. So this first time they made it to the championship in school history. Uh, game was back and forth. Coach Bryant Worsham, uh, he commented that you know they had missed several layups. Uh, they were missing free throws. I think they went 7 for 17 on their last 24 uh, free throws. And he attributes it to both nervousness and a small letdown. Remember, they had beat Callaway, the number one team in the state, uh, to make it to the Final Four. So we think there was a little letdown, a little nervousness. And he said if they'd have made you know, those layoffs, made those free throws, it wouldn't have even been close. Right. They were dominating the game. But, again, they still got the victory. They, they, you know, when you don't play your best game and still win, that just means you're a good team. Uh, KB Brooks led the Gators with a game-high 17 points, followed by Donovan Sanders with 15 points. They will now play in the championship game 7 p.m. tonight. 7 p.m. tonight in the big house. Uh, so if you're, you know, if you're listening to this, you still got time to get on the road, head down to the big house for 7 p.m. tonight. They will be playing, Matt, Holmes County Central. Oh, yeah. Holmes County Central happens to be the team we discussed that beat Center Hill the other day. So actually when they played in a gymnasium or in an arena – that they turned the air conditioner on, they were still a decent team and won. So there you go. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how they can do when it's yeah. actually proper. When it's seventy-two degrees on a normal basketball court under normal conditions, how they do against another DeSoto County team. Right. If I'm the Center Hill coach, I'm calling the coach at Lake Comer and saying, "Hey, man, here's the deal. Just wear their butts out. You know, no, I mean, like, they're rivals. I mean, now of course, of course this is the last year they're rivals right. because Center Hill's moving up. But yeah, this is the time when you call your you know your biggest rival and say, "Hey, you know, you know, do us a favor here. Absolutely. Hey, Gators, good luck to you. Congratulations on a heck of a good year." Uh, good luck as you carry again the DeSoto County banner down to Jackson. We hope you bring back the goal ball. Uh, let's hope that the, let's let's see if a five A boys team and a six A girls state championship can reside in DeSoto County. We definitely hope so, and we will be pulling for you at the UTW podcast and 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 certainly the OB pod as well. Absolutely. Look, if you like what you hear each and every week from the How to Barbecue Right Shop Studios here on the UTW podcast, find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast, on Instagram at UTW Podcast, and on Twitter 
at UTWPod. That's Twitter, UTWPod. Very important that you continue to hit subscribe. Once you hear our voice, once you hit listen to our podcast, hit subscribe so it allows us to continue to grow, allows us to tell our advertisers how much we're growing and be able to show them that each and every week. Also, share it. Share it on Facebook, Instagram, any social media that you can find, the UTW Podcast. Please share it with friends, family. Again, I joke around all the time. If you enjoy what you hear, share it with 10 people. If you hate what you hear, share it with 100. That's a way for us to grow, and we're going to continue to do that. Be sure, if you do use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. Leave us a five-star review. It helps us to grow there on Apple Podcasts. It moves us up in the ranks uh, when it comes to national podcasts uh, for relevancy. I want to remind everybody about the OB Pod, the OB Pod, which is also produced by Rooster Production, our production company, OB Pod. Very simple. Just look for it. And you'll be able to see it. OB Pod, kind of our brother podcast now, uh, focused on the eastern side of DeSoto County, especially in Olive Branch. They dropped their first episode last week. Great job by Zach and Cash uh, as they continue to hopefully grow that. If you're interested in advertising on the OB Pod, reach out to us for that information. Podcast listeners, don't forget, next Wednesday, we will have a special show. The Candidates for Ward 5 are interviewing this weekend. The candidates for Ward 5 are going to be interviewing this weekend. Two ladies are vying for that position, so we will have an opportunity to interview both of them. So next week, Ward 5, special show on Wednesday, our typical Tuesday and Friday show. So pretty simple, and again, I don't do it every time, but on Fridays, if you have an opportunity to take your family to church this weekend, please, please, please do that. Uh, All the churches are definitely probably back face-to-face, may have to wear a mask, neither here nor there. If you have an opportunity to take your family to church, please do that this coming Sunday. Derek, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. This is where we dropped off a pretty little girl.